As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them, until the Ancient of Days came, and the judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints repossessed the kingdom. Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. On today's episode, Ryan and Mike will continue to explore Revelation. One of the most important decisions you will have to make when reading Revelation concerns the structure of the book. Once you see this structure, you can then see how you fit into the story. Okay, Mike, so let's actually get into the book of Revelation a bit more and see why it is such good news. I want to start with the story, though. A few years ago, when I was really digging into Revelation, there was one afternoon I was at a library, and I just sat down, and I just read through Revelation. I left the library that afternoon with a headache, confused, frustrated, and a little bit discouraged. Now, we've already talked about Revelation supposed to give us endurance and faithfulness. I probably wasn't reading it right. I think in retrospect, my problem was I assumed that Revelation was written linearly, meaning it begins in chapter 1 chronologically and ends in chapter 22. So naturally then, chapter 12 has to come after chapter 11. Chapter 14 has to come after chapter 13, etc. In retrospect, I don't think I was approaching the structure of Revelation correctly. And in my opinion, seeing the structure of Revelation is one of, if not the most important tools for properly interpreting the book. So you're an architect. Help me to understand a little bit better. What is the proper structure of Revelation? Well, we talked last time about the overall drama and the the movements in the drama that Revelation is uh, revealing, that Revelation is narrating. And that, that drama that begins with the resurrection or the resurrection and the ascension, right? Ascension being the prologue. Um, And then we see this divine history unfolding, this divine drama unfolding in these three movements of war, judgment, kingdom. That's the overall narrative that, that we'll see uh, plots between the, the death, resurrection and ascension of Christ and leading up to his return and the fullness of the kingdom. Right. Revelation is going to map into that, but the way Revelation um, reveals that story, the way Revelation uh, talks about that is not through this linear progression where you see war in the first few chapters, judgment in the middle, and kingdom at the end. It's this series of cycles that's more or less retelling that story over and over and over again um, from multiple angles with different emphases each time. So after the opening chapters where we see one like a son of man, sounds a lot like Daniel 7, addressing the seven churches of Asia, then what we see in Revelation 4 through 5 is the throne scene where you've got the ancient of days more or less, the the one who's seated on the throne receiving praise. And then John looks and and there's this question of who is worthy to, to unfold, unveil the purposes of God, open this scroll and, and there you see it's the lamb who's standing as if slain. He is worthy. Um, and so what we see is that's Jesus after his, the victory on the cross, his resurrection. And now he's ascended to reign and he's going to unfold the purposes of God. And we see that throughout the book. And so we see seven seals. We see seven uh, trumpets. We see um, uh, seven little visions in 12 through uh, 14. We see seven bowls of wrath. 
We see seven signs, and there's interludes in between there. But more or less what we're seeing uh, as we walk throughout this book is that same story that begins with the ascension of Christ and the unfolding of God's purpose through war, him bringing judgment in favor of the saints, and then them receiving the eternal kingdom. Um, That's told multiple times through the book. So again, it's not a linear progression. It's a thematic retelling uh, like a kaleidoscope, it would be a good illustration to help us yeah, appreciate yeah. the, the many facets to the way it's telling a story. Yeah, and that is really, really helpful because, <clears throat> I mean, I'm going to say this again. I really think that the structure of Revelation is going to determine your interpretation more than anything yeah. else in the mm-hmm. book. But <clears throat> as you said, Revelation is not written in war, then judgment, then kingdom, and that's the end of the book. It's war, judgment, kingdom many times over, leading up to that final consummation in 21 and 22. And so we need to see this this book, as you said, it's a thematic retelling from different perspectives. We've already talked about how the book of Revelation is kind of like Endgame. Mm -hmm. Like an Endgame where you go to different planets and you go to different scenes and there's different perspectives, you, you have all of these different perspectives converging on one story and that's likewise what Revelation is doing, is it's all yeah. of these different perspectives, not in a linear sequential order, but rather just focusing in on telling different aspects that are going on. Now, let's explain just briefly why this is so important. Yeah. If you take the book of Revelation as linear, what then you assume is that this book is telling us a linear pattern of what's going to happen in the last days. And this is, I think, why Revelation has had so many different interpretations to it. Some Mm -hmm. have taken Revelation as referring only to, like, things of AD 70. Some is referring only to aspects of the Roman Empire. Some are looking for it to be fulfilled in the last days in which we perhaps are currently living. Some are looking for this to be fulfilled in some distant day in the future. Hundreds and hundreds of different interpretations are about Revelation. But at least the way I think that Revelation is written, and this is in light of that Daniel 7 passage we talked about in our last conversation, is the book of Revelation is about these thematic cycles between the ascension and second coming of Jesus. So we're going to see that pattern of war, judgment, kingdom played out many times over. And so, Mike, when would you see the events of Revelation unfolding? Would you see them as constrained to a particular time in history? When would you see these events happening? You know, certainly there are uh, some very specific uh, applications that would apply to the first century, the, the original audience of this book. Um, but but I, th- I think what we'll see ultimately is that, um, that Revelation is less about a specific prophecy of, of a singular event or figure and more a, a pattern of fulfillment that, that we'll see that's meant to characterize the last days in between the, the uh, ascension of Christ and, and his return when he'll hand over the kingdom to the Father. Um, one, one passage that, that really has helped me wrap my head around the unfolding of divine history is actually 1 Corinthians 15 when Paul's talking about the resurrection on, uh, on the last day, he talks about the resurrection of Christ and he's talking about the great resurrection on the last day. But he, he sums up divine history in, in just the most succinct way. Um, the, again, we're jumping into the middle of a context 
talking about resurrection, but listen to this summary in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. It says, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, firstfruits of resurrection in context, after that, those who are Christ's at his coming, then the end, when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he's abolished all rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. Um, and so what you see in context here is resurrection of Christ, resurrection of the saints, um, and, and then Christ hands over the kingdom to the Father. And, and he's skipped everything in between, right? And it's that in-between stuff that we're looking at here that, that Revelation is unpacking where we're seeing, okay, yeah, we're in the middle of this war waiting on judgment to re- be rendered for the saints where they receive this kingdom. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, you know, again, coming back to your question more, more directly, yes, some things that would happen uh, very specifically in the first century, but ultimately this is a book to help us make sense of um, the, the last days in between the, the re- ascension of Christ and his return. Yeah, and you know, that phrase there, last days, is really, really, really important. It comes from Daniel 2, 34 and 35 uh, in a shout yeah. along with many other of the prophets. Yeah. But whenever the New Testament is talking about the last days, it's not meaning the last 10 years of human history before Jesus returns. It's talking about the in-between time between the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the saints. And so we're living in the last days. Paul lived in the last days. Um Anyone between 33 AD and now has lived in the last days. And, and, and that for me is just so helpful to see. Revelation is not a book that is removed from my experience, but Revelation is a book that speaks to the experience of every Christian. Because you can look and see the cycles of war and judgment play out in the Roman Empire. And you can certainly trace that historically and see how those patterns have played out. But Ephesians 6 also talks about the, the spiritual wars that we wage. You can likewise look to our lives and at the world today and see those cycles of war and judgment played out. And so it's helpful to see that Revelation is ultimately about that in-between time between the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of all people at the end of time, but these cycles are repeating themselves so many times and speaking to the experience of every Christian who is undergoing suffering. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, one other word about just the structure. For me, whenever I was really trying to have to figure out the structure a few years ago, the earthquake in the book of Revelation was really helpful Mm. for me. If you look at Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12, this is at the end of the first cycle of the seals. It says, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the full moon like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit that was shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Mm-hmm. You, you see here that this is an literally earth-ending earthquake. What, what type yeah. of earthquake would you describe this as? Yeah, it looks like the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it right. does, right? This is yeah. what we would consider apocalyptic. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. You know, th- 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 this, this is, you know, truly end-of-the-world dystopian stuff. But you mm-hmm. also see this t- same type earthquake in chapter 11, verse 13, and mm-hmm. chapter 16, verse 18. And in all three cases, each of these cycles ends with an earth-ending earthquake 
-hmm. But how can the world end three different times? Well, if you read this linearly, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you see that these are all thematic retellings of the war that the serpent is bringing upon the saints, the judgment and righteousness that God is unveiling, all leading up to the handing over of the kingdom to the saints, then you see, okay, this threefold cycle, prologued by the ascension, plays out many different times from different perspectives in Revelation. Absolutely. And they complement one another rather than following in a sequential order. Absolutely. You know, and we we have this sort of, I think, in our just in our culture, uh, this sort of instinct for chronology, rigid chronology. We think in that sort of linear storytelling way. Um, but when we can just sort of uh, give ourselves permission to let go of that long enough and yeah. and say, okay, th- this is not that. Um, it's telling a story, but it's doing so in a very different way. And there, and there are m- plenty of movies that we could point to today that that experiment with that kind of thing right where they they'll play with time and and you know they're still telling a story that that's you know moving towards an end but sometimes they'll go back to the beginning and you know some you know some of the more avant-garde movies are are really kind of doing that but that's that's what revelation is doing on a on a simpler level um the gospel of matthew does the same kind of thing where you see okay overall it's telling the story of Jesus from his birth to his ascension. But but you look at the the details of that story, and he's back and forth all the time. If we were to map this out chronologically, um, he's got events mixed up chronologically, but it's about the it's about the message and and he's arranging the, the stories in certain ways to make a, a different point or a bigger point. And that's what's going on with Revelation in a in a little bit different way, but but more or less the same idea of it's about this thematic retelling. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and even you use Matthew as an example. The Bible begins with that type thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Genesis 1 and 2. When does Genesis 2 happen? Right, that's a, yeah, absolutely. I mean, many have tried to claim that Genesis 2 follows what happens in Genesis 1, but that simply just doesn't make sense. Rather, mm-hmm. Genesis 2 is a retelling of what went on in Genesis 1, but just from a different focus. And so you see this play out many different times, from Genesis to Matthew to Revelation and Scripture. But it's going to be extremely important as we work through the book to understand, again, this is not a book that is written in a pure linear fashion, but rather it's a thematic retelling of these events from so many different perspectives. Okay, now all of this may sound a bit pie-in-the-sky, ivory tower type stuff, talking about book structure and organization and stuff. But let me ask you, Mike, why does it matter to the message of Revelation that we really see the structure of the book? Well, we're we're people who who live by story, right? You know, we, we, we tend to think of the world in the story, our own history and all those all those kinds of things. And so if we can understand the story, the drama that Revelation is unfolding, um, it's, it's going to just make so much more sense to us and, and, and see how the story's told and just understand that uh, things that were otherwise vague, abstract, uh, veiled are going to just pop and jump off the page so much more when we just have some of these basic uh, keys of, of structure under our, under our belt. 
Absolutely, yeah. And we'll try to link below to a more detailed organization and structure of the book to, to help with going here. But it at least is extremely important as we begin our study to understand this is a book that is retelling those things many times over. Let's just use one example. Absolutely. Look at Revelation chapter 12. Yeah. Revelation chapter 12. Um, can you read verse 5 and 6 there, Mike? Yeah. And she gave birth to a son, a male, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who's called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them before our God day and night, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, because they did not love their life, even when faced with death. Yeah, I mean, just powering, empowering, empowering verses, yeah. right? Um, you know, but that's how they're the prologue of the book. This is the ascension. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll deal yeah. with this text in more detail in a future conversation to show how this comes out of Micah, a lot of the image of it does. But this is the, this is the prologue. This is the ascension. Mm-hmm. What's well, no surprise yeah. then, if you look down to verse 17 of the chapter, what then you see is, go ahead and read that verse for me. Yeah. Okay. Got to turn my page. There we go. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Exactly. The serpent then begins war. He begins war mm-hmm. on the saints. You get over to chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. God responds to this in judgment. Yeah. And then as you continue through the rest of 14, you then see the kingdom is handed over. So, you know, that's just one microcosm in 12 through 14 where you see prologue, war, judgment, kingdom. And that mm-hmm. general pattern is going to play out many times over throughout the book. So, Mike, let's that's just right. try to bring and all this to a close. Go ahead. Go ahead. One, one thing real quick. And that story is in the middle of the book, right? Right. Yes. You know, so so if, if yes. we were reading this literally, uh, chronologically, we'd be so confused. Like, what's the? We've already seen Jesus ascend back in chapter five. Why is he ascending again? And you know, and so just understanding. All right, they've told the story once one way. Uh, they told it again through another lens. Now we're coming back in chapter twelve, and we're going to go back even further. We're going to understand a little bit more of the backstory in more detail because we've seen some of the war sure. before, glimpses of that. Sure. Now now we're going to understand the origin story a little bit more, right? And so so just understanding that, again, it's, it's retelling the same story, the same uh, unfolding of divine history, God's divine drama and his purpose, um, but doing so over and over again for, through these different lenses from these different angles to help us have a, have a fuller, richer picture of the multifaceted work of God in history. Yeah. Well, you just answered my final question. Why oh, is this sorry. good yeah. news? And there you yeah, go, absolutely. right? Yeah. You know, the, the structure of Revelation understood this way really does help us to have just a deeper and more multifaceted view of God's kingdom and of Amen. the reign of God and the fact that God's purposes are beyond our understanding, and yet he's trying to demonstrate to us his plans in seven different ways 
so that we can have great assurance that indeed the kingdom has come and the kingdom continues to come, and indeed one day the kingdom will be consummated. That is what the book of Revelation is all about. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According To podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Next time, Mike and Ryan will be discussing Farmer's Almanacs and Avengers Endgame. Don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Thank you.